Praise the Lord, everybody. You love your pastor? Nobody does, one or two. That was a question. That When you ask a question, you wait for somebody to respond. Do you love your pastor? Praise God. It has been a thrill, an honor, joy to be here. And everything has just been first class, the meals and fellowship, everything, the room, the basket, everything's wonderful. And uh, we just are so thankful, Phil. It's our honor to be here and uh, just feel like the Lord's made a connection. And we're happy about that. good to meet new people of God and be happy about the meeting. Sometimes you walk away and say, boy, I don't care if I ever see them again. But uh, it's different when you find people you enjoy meeting and being with. Kind of makes it hard to leave, but we'll, we'll meet again. Praise God. So we just thank you publicly for everything. And uh, many of you probably had a nap this afternoon, and I couldn't get a nap because I still have a burden on my heart. And uh, he said to make myself at home, so I'm going to do what I would do at home. I'm going to finish what I started this morning. Praise God. I'm going to pull a D.C. Moody. He said he only has seven messages and 3,000 titles. So I'm going to preach the same message, and I hope a title comes to me here in a little bit. Praise God. Psalms, the 34th chapter. We'll at least read a different text. Try to make you think we're going to do something different. Appreciate your response to the preaching of the word. And sometimes we get tired as a meeting progresses. You've worked hard and been here on the way. I asked the Lord that if we could just keep the flow up tonight, not drop the ball here at the last service. Just give me 30 minutes. And if I hadn't struck oil in 30 minutes, I'm quitting. Psalm 34, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are upon, are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. Many, everybody say many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Praise God. And those last two verses is 
just something I felt that we needed to finish. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Praise God. So we'll just talk about salvation through affiliation, affliction, part two. Is that what they do when they come out with a movie? You like the first one so well, we're going to give you the second one. So that's, this is a sequel. Praise God. Amen. You going to help me preach tonight? Why don't we just love the Lord? Can we rejoice? Praise God. You may be seated. We left off a little bit talking about carefulness, and we talked about the little door that to get in, the big door, and you enter into the little door, the straight way, the narrow, difficult way. And we got to talking about repentance being a tedious, careful work and and we we kind of talked along that lines about your attitude determines much of whether you receive from God or not and it determines how much the enemy will do to us because your attitude determines whether you will listen to God or not and we talked about Gideon and how that the Lord dwindled his army down to 300. And one of the last things the Lord spoke to us this morning was the fact that there is a message coming to this church. And he is going to ask of you. And he is going to tell you instructions of what it takes to have revival. And it takes that carefulness. It takes that spirit that says... Uh, I believe that whatever God says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm just going to believe what the Lord has said. They were careful men, and that's why he chose them. They were alert men. They were men that were ready to fight should the need arise. And uh, they, they had the right attitude. And that is why the Lord said, those are the ones that I'm going to use. He asked something rather odd of them when they went into battle. It wasn't the norm. It wasn't what they normally would have done. But because God selected men that would listen to him, regardless of how strange. You remember the opening statements that I made to you is that we can't figure God out. His ways are past finding out. And so we just got to get to the place that we trust God. No matter what he says, no matter what he asks of us. You know, we miss God a lot of times because he asks us to do things and we shake it off. 
and we discount it and say, well, that's, that's a strange request. So I'm not going to do what I feel in my heart that I need to do. Something's got to get a hold of us that we, we just start believing God. We just start listening for his word and then following what he says. Ask, he'll ask strange things. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. Sorry, he'll ask strange things of us. I had a young man I was preaching a couple of weeks ago, and I got on the cell phone, and I got on uh, uh, how, many, how much time that's spent on a cell phone and how uh, if we treat the Bible like we treat our cell phone. Well, praise the Lord. If we leave the house without the cell phone, we go back and make sure we pick it back up. We'll even be late for work. But if we leave our Bible, it's just, oh, it's no big deal. If we check our Bible as often during the day as we check our cell phone. Oh, I feel all right now. If we read the text of the scripture as much as we read text on the, on the cell phone. Yeah, some of you, some of you are going to hold back on me. Just hold back. It don't matter. I've I got your number. The more you sit there, the more I understand I got your number. Amen. And I, I got to digging at them about the cell phone. Yeah, it's always, you can't walk without having that stupid thing out and, and looking at it. Well, praise the Lord. And, and, and God forbid, you better not be checking it in church. Well, the iPads ain't much further behind all that. But God, if we could get into the Scripture and get into the Word. But I, I, I preached along those lines, and a young man came, and he slammed his cell phone up on the altar. And he cried out to God, said, God, help me. God, deliver me from this. Don't let me be lost over a cell phone. And he felt like he should get rid of the cell phone. And... Uh, you know, he goes home and mama's spiritual, spiritual mama. She's always hearing from God. She's always getting direction from God, but it's not always according to what the preacher has to say. But God was dealing with him. God didn't deal with mom. He was dealing with a boy that was crying out, I want to be saved. I'm talking about peculiar things that God may ask and he said to me just the other day he called and said pastor I, I wanted to get my cell phone up and I wanted to just get me one more flip phones that I couldn't have internet on and I couldn't have all of this other stuff on him he said mom thinks as long as I'm driving she said I have to have the phone well when I get home mom and pastor don't have a little chat well it's quiet I'm going to tell her you're not as spiritual as you think you are you run around here praying around and talking in tongues like you're some spiritual guru and yet you don't get in between God and one of his people that's saying, this could cause me to lose my soul. I don't want it. There's times God asks strange things of us and if we, if we just learn to yield to what God is telling us to do, we'll be further along the road than we are right now. Somebody in this room, God's been dealing with you about some things. Don't you look around and see what everybody else is doing. God ain't dealing with them. But if God's dealing with you, lay something on the altar and tell God, you mean more to me than everything else in my life. 
Folks, I ain't up here just preaching. I, I feel that I'm in the Holy Ghost to help. So I'm here to help this church. You, you need to quit worrying. They that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You need to quit worrying what everybody else is doing in the church. I'm glad Gideon didn't look around and say, well, it's not what God asked of everybody else every time they went in battle. He just said, God, if that's what you want us to do, that's what we're going to do. Doesn't matter what they're doing in Bonner Springs. Doesn't matter what they're doing over in Kansas City. Doesn't matter what they're doing in Junction City. Doesn't matter. That's not this church. That's not this area. That's not you, the people of God. God has a particular work for this church. Well, now I know why I'm felt like I need to get this burden off me. You need to quit worrying about what other congregations are doing. That's what's wrong with Pentecost. We come out with these blanket programs and we try to, uh, and, and when we put them in our church and they don't work, it makes us feel like we're half backslid or something. God called you folks to this city to save people in this area. You need to do it God's way. Whatever God tells you to do, that's what you need to do. Well, and so, so we've got to get to the place that when God speaks to us, no matter how strange it is, no matter how peculiar it is, we're ready to listen. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about sin that was in the church. Even though his tone was rough and his rebuke was sharp, it produced results. He would later write to them and say, I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, but not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For this is, for behold, this self, this self same thing that you sorrowed after, a godly sorrow. But this is what he said, what carefulness it wrought in you. What clearing of yourself, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. When the preacher is seeing something he don't like and God is saying I need to deal with it, let the man of God deal with it. You're not supposed to feel good every time the preacher's preaching. There's times that it digs at you. There's times that it works on you and it makes you sorrow. But don't you sit there and say, I don't want that. Just tell God, deal with me, God. I want to be saved. That way I can be clear of this matter. I can be innocent in this matter. Come on, it's not God's will for this man of God to come to this pulpit time after time and browbeat you every time over the same old stuff. He ought to have different stuff he's working on, y'all, because you cleared yourself through repentance. You got yourself clean of the matter. If you've made dumb decisions, don't make them anymore. Learn from the first dumb decision. Learn from the examples and say, God, I want to grow. I want to mature. I want you to be able to give me something more than a little milk every once in a while. I want some meat. I want something supernatural. I want something glorious to come to me. Well, praise the Lord. Sometimes the content of the message from God is heavy. and Sometimes the tone is sharp and it's cutting. He said, let us 
Labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He said, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. When there's preaching, there's going to be exposure. If it's God anointed preaching and you've done it, it ought to be exposed when you get back to the house of God. That's just the way the word of God is. For example, we like this when I make the statement, there ain't nobody perfect among us. We're all, we're all prone to mistakes. We all get led astray. All we like sheep have gone astray and everybody likes that amen, amen, amen. But then if, if you put that with this word, that means that when you come back to church, the pastor's not always going to be preaching faith. He's not always going to be preaching something exciting. If you are prone to mistakes and you do make mistakes, he's going to come back to this pulpit and say, there's an issue I need to deal with there's a matter that I need to deal with something that's going to cost you your soul and he's going to preach at you and the tone is going to be sharp and it's going to be it's going to be strong but you got to sit there and say come on pastor amen pastor I want you to preach to me pastor <laughs> nothing 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 is not manifest but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, and then we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. But for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like as ye are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy to find grace to help in the time of need. It's a sharp word. It's a powerful word. It's a quick word. But it's not just something that's superficial. It gets down to the deepest part of your spirit and your soul and it works on you. It afflicts you. It, it, causes, it causes affliction in your heart. I want to preach something to you that, that affliction is what's going to save you. It's the, it's the piercing that's going to save you. It's the trial that's going to save you. It's not the dance that's going to save you. I believe I've got scripture. The dancing and the worship is refreshing to you. It's what makes you feel better. But it's the word of God that afflicts you. And it gets down where you live. And it's through the affliction. It's through the times that you're afflicted by the word. That's what's going to save you. That's what's going to make you stronger. I believe in old time preaching. I believe in old hard time preaching. I believe that some of this new stuff that's coming into Pentecost is, is burned out of a charismatic spirit that just wants to make everybody feel good and come up with something new and leave people sitting on the pew and and on. That's not what's going to save us. It's old time preaching that gets down where you live that'll rebuke you openly. Uh, Therefore, Paul said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who 
shall judge the quick and the dead as it appearing and his kingdom. He said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, he said, we're living there, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But they will, after their own lust, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You want to talk old past? Let me talk old past with you. In the old Pentecost, we didn't have church hopping. It was unheard of for people to leave this church and go to the neighbor church. You know why? Because in the day of the old past, everybody believed virtually the same. If you were charismatic or you were liberal, then, then, then you were the oddball. You were the one that nobody went around. But in the day that I was raised up as a boy in the church, everybody believed in holiness. Everybody believed in Acts 2.38. And so there wasn't jumping from one church. But now we live in a day where there is such a vast differences of preachers that believe a vast difference of things and standards. And so people pick and choose which church they want to go to. Not based on the message and the doctrine, but based on what's allowed and not allowed. Because I'm telling you, the devil's trying to outnumber everybody in every church he can. And if they don't get survive it here, they're going to jump to another church. And I would watch the church they jump to. And if they're jumping to the same church, I'd mark that church and say, that's something I don't need to have anything to do with because the devil's gaining ground there. I want to stay where I'm at, where God is in the majority, where the Spirit of God is able to work and do. Well never seen the day where there are preachers that are afraid to reprove, rebuke and exhort time's coming and it's here Paul said it's coming when they will not endure sound doctrine but they will heap them they will find a church based on what they want to hear and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. Just tell us a story. Just make us feel good. And we'll come to your church. Just, just let us do what we want to do. And when we come to church, don't preach anything that makes us feel uncomfortable. Just leave us alone. And we'll come to church. Paul said that's not what's going to happen in the real church. The real church is going to have a preacher that stands in the pulpit and points his finger at you and says you're not going to do it in this church. You're not going to act like that in this church. You're not going to dress like that in this church. This is anniversary service. I've come, to, I've come to lift up the hands of the man of God tonight and tell you, you better get behind your preacher. You better not put your foot on the brake because if you do, God's against you. I don't care. I said it this morning. I feel the same spirit here. I don't care if you put that little fake, plastic, hypocritical smile on your face and try to convince everybody you're with them. I'm telling you, if you're just a man of God, God knows it, and you're in trouble with God. Your days are numbered. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you can mark it down. Your days are numbered. Now, now, just let me, let me just preach. It may be a little different. I know it is sometimes when you pull out the leftovers, everybody turns their nose up and says, oh, 
It's the leftovers. Well, tough. Just, just enjoy. You ain't heard this. I'm here to, I'm here to do a, a mission. I'm here on a mission tonight. The, the preacher is going to preach. And at times, it will flow and it will feel like it's in season. But then other times, there might not even be a pulpit present. I felt this this morning when I was studying. I felt the Lord say there's a times Pastor Riggins not going to be in the pulpit. It's going to be out of season. It's going to be on the parking lot. It's going to be on the telephone. And he's going to tell you, you don't need to do that. Whether he's in the pulpit or he's on the phone, if he says you don't need to do that, that's a word from the Lord. Now you rest of you saints help me because there's a nasty spirit in here that wants to resist what I'm saying. I don't give a rip what you think. I'm telling you what the word says. It's in season and out of season. The man of God is ready to give you the right word from God. And if you call him and you start talking to him long enough, he's got a word. And it's not the words of Gregory Riggin. It's the words of God coming through him. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost now. Some of you say, well, when I open my mouth, it's God, it's the Holy Ghost. But yet when he opens his mouth, you want to say it's Gregory Regan. I come to defy your spirit. It's a man of God. It's God's angel for this church. It's God's anointed one. It's a word from the Lord. I bet you're the same one that says you, I'll pick and choose what I want to hear in the preaching. You can't pick and choose. God didn't ask you to pick and choose. He just said, I'm going to give it to you. If it fits, wear it. Yeah. Woo. So let me let me break it down for you hard-headed hypocrites. Rest of you just help me preach. We got them outnumbered, but let's just let's just pick on them tonight. One, two. I like picking on people that are wrong. And I like shoving it in their face and telling them they're wrong, especially when I know we're right. He said, reprove them. That means convince them. The meaning is that he was to use such arguments as would convince men of the truth of religion and of their need of it. So Paul said, reprove them, convince them. That means if they don't get it the first time, give it to them again. If they don't get it the second time, give it to them again. If your pastor comes to this pulpit and he's preaching and it's the same thing, folks, just act like you ain't never heard it. Just get with him. Say, come on, pastor, preach. Man, that's good. Preach. Do you know you pull things out of your preacher when you're helping him preach? When you're on your feet saying, amen, glory to God, you're creating a climate that pulls out of him the word of the Lord. I'll tell you something else. People in this church that don't want this word to go forth, they like it when you get quiet. They like it when you sit there and don't say amen. If I didn't do anything else, I'd just jump and shout hallelujah and glory to God just to let them know you ain't taking over this place. I'm going to convince you tonight that I'm with this pastor. I'm going to convince you on Tuesday night and Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night. I'm going to convince you because I'm going to be here every time the doors are open. I'm going to be here when there's prayer meeting. I'm going to be here when there's revival. I'm going to be here when it's just normal service. But I'm going to be here. I'm going to. Oh, 
all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Everybody say reproof. The scripture is given so you can be reproved for correction and for instruction in righteousness. You got to have all this, folks. If you're going to have an apostolic church, you got to have reproof. You got to have correction. You got to have rebuke. And you got to learn to take it. You got to learn to let him whip you every once in a while. You're the one, after all, that decides how often you get a whipping. If you misbehave, you get a whipping. Huh? You go out of here tonight and you misbehave. Guess what you're going to get when you show back up? A whipping. You know why? Because that's God's way. He wants to save you. He loves you. He loves his church. He ain't going to let sin sit on the pew. And the quicker you change and pray through, the better your pastor will be able to preach some things he'd like to preach around here. Y'all feel that spirit? Yeah. Uh-huh. I figured it would. I come prepared. Uh, the man of God, he said, you, you preach the scriptures given for inspiration and for reproof instruction correction and righteousness he said that the man of god may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto every good work so reprove them convince them convince them of the doctrine convince them of how to live for god come back over and over until they say i got it pastor not just i got it but watch me live it then he said rebuke them so we're going to reprove and convince some, but then there's some he's going to rebuke. There's some he's going to say, you're wrong. You're going to hell if you don't change your ways. Well, we're living in a day that's putting so much pressure on your pastor to, to step in this pulpit and try to qualify everything he says, try to try to preference everything he says. Now, folks, I want to know you. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I don't want you to go nowhere. I want you to know I want you to be here and I need you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah 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 blah. And then, then he's got a kind of soft so everything. You ought to have the guts and the backbone and the spiritual maturity to just say, Pastor, if you got something to say, say it. I'm wrong and I know I'm wrong. Say it. Well, I'm going to make myself at home. If you don't like what my daughter's wearing, say it. If you don't like what my son's doing, say it. If you don't like the way I'm dressing, say it. Now I'm looking around. I won't be careful because this, this ain't applying to you. This is me and this is my church. I just want to prove a point. I'm not saying that's the way it ought to be. But I said to my men one day, I said, look, a lot of people we fellowship, they don't like colored shirts. So I said, from now on, if you're coming to church, every man and every boy wears a white shirt and a tie. And you guys have got blue shirts and orange shirts and whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to prove a point. You know what they did? All right, pastor, that's what we'll do. Amen. They don't even wear a colored shirt on an off night before they call me and say, is it all right if we go to the banquet and wear a colored shirt? I said, I just don't want to offend nobody. I just want, I just want us to fit in. I just want to have revival. So they just went out and bought white shirts. 
I did the same thing with short sleeves. I know you ain't got that problem, but I said no more three, no more short sleeves. Three quarter or longer, and that's what we're gonna wear. Boy, it was tough in the middle of the summer in Mississippi, and they was oh, oh man. And and these nurses are got their short sleeve uniform and they're wearing long sleeve shirts underneath it. And people at work are saying, Aren't you hot? Is there something wrong? Some of them will tell you, I didn't have a conviction. It's just what pastor said to do, so we done it. But you know what they're saying now? You couldn't get me in a short sleeve shirt. I got conviction about it. Somebody rebuked me. Somebody said we need to change some things. Hey, I'm not particular. Just tell me what don't look right, pastor. I tell the elders, come to our church and preach. What don't look right, feel right, just tell me about it, and we'll switch it. We'll change it. Why? We want revival. We want to move a God. Something's got to get in our spirit that we don't mind affliction. We don't mind somebody whipping us every once in a while. We don't mind somebody. I love getting a whipping. I love when the old men of God come to our church and they sound like something I'm feeling around here. And I get up after them. I say, all right, we're going to do exactly what this man of God said. And affliction brings salvation because the more you're afflicted, the closer you get to God. Some you're trying to live it carefree. Some you're trying to live it gaiety, partying. We talked about this morning, but I'm telling you, there's salvation through affliction. Uh-huh. Can I preach a little longer? Yes, sir. He said, these things speak and exhort. And he said, rebuke with all authority and don't you let no man despise you that's what the apostle said he said you get up and rear back and tell him I don't care if you like it or not this is the way it's going to be around here I know some of you are looking at me like I can't believe you get by with that I'm going to tell you something this is something old it's been around as long as I remember as a kid them old white haired men stood in the pulpit and said you girls look like a bunch of fair faucets sitting out there your hair curled, making it look like it's cut. You're trying to follow after some Hollywood uh, actress, and they tell you, get your hair done right. Yeah. Boy, it's getting tight now. It's getting tight. I'm not here to pastor you. Whatever pastor says, he's the pastor, he's right, and I'm wrong. I'm just saying, that's the kind of preaching, and we just, the old preacher just preached at us. Huh? Boy, another thing I told my boys, you don't wear your shirt tails out. Now, if you do, Otherwise, but I was raised. You didn't wear your shirt tail out. You men like it when we're on the women, but boy, we get on the shirt tails. You just fall off the wagon. What's your problem? You bunch of little sissies. Let me just hold time. Let me just hold time, because some of you young guys never heard this. But I was brought up as a little boy. You didn't wear your shirt tails out. You're half dressed. Put your shirt tail in. You didn't wear your t-shirt out. That's your underwear. Get your shirt on. They taught us those things. They didn't let you get by with it. You know why? They want you to be decent. They want you to be moral. Start wearing your shirt tail out. You get casual. You get lounging around. So I told my boys, if it ain't got a, if it ain't got a, a square tail on it and it's an athletic shirt of some kind, you put your shirt tail in. 
Now we got them coming to church with coattails and shirt tails hanging down below the coattail. Ties way up here. Looks like a bunch of queers. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling at home now. Like a bunch of faggots running around. You don't look cute. You look like something off of Mars. Any girl that would like something to look like you is nuts. I'm from the South where you got bells and you got ladies and you got people that dress right and you got young men that want to look right and not like a bunch of queers. I'm just talking about Brookhaven. Don't wear them faggot-looking glasses. You don't, you don't wear that. You don't wear them Pee Wee Herman suits. And, and you don't wear them all that, 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 that. You just, and, and then they just say, whatever, pastor, whatever, pastor. And we just keep on preaching. And some churches in that area say, my God, I wouldn't go to church where bowling's at. I wouldn't go to church where Randy's pastoring. But you know what? They ain't got what we got. They ain't got the move of the Holy Ghost we got. They got a bunch of fornicating queers. And... But we're having a move of God. We're seeing people delivered. We're having revival. Go ahead and flick me, man of God. Go ahead and whip me, man of God. I want to be saved. I want to live for God. Woo! Feel something breaking in here. I feel something breaking in this house again. Man, look in the eye and tell it, get behind you. Rebuke it like you got authority over it. Sit down, boy. We got to have fun tonight. I won't preach until I'll preach as long as I feel it. Not whether you feel it or not, as long as I feel it. So I feel like we'll help something here tonight. Behold, there rose a great tempest. In the sea. Insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. And his disciples came to him and woke him up and said, You ain't doing this right. You don't know what's happening. Don't you even care that we perish? And Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you little faith. Don't you know who's here? He got up and walked to the front of the ship. And the Bible says, he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. I asked the Lord this morning, I said, why in the world should I put that in there? He said, because if my people would learn the power of rebuking with authority. He said, there's a storm right now. Woo, hallelujah. He said, it's covered with waves right now. But he said, if they'll let their man of God preach to them and tell them what he wants without fear, favor, and without worry about you leaving... He said, I'm going to take care of the storm. And he said, it's going to be peace like I've never seen before. 
Now you decide what you want out of your preacher. Do you like the waves? And Boy, I feel it now. If you'd get off the phone like your pastor so eloquently said this morning and you'd quit talking to those people that have left the church and you'd just let the pastor handle it, God's going to rebuke the storm and God might save those people. But as long as you're putting your nasty spirit in it, ain't nobody going to be saved, not you, not them, and you're going to miss out. But if you'll let the master of the storm have it, if you'll let somebody with authority have it, God will take care of the storm. Sit down, sit down. I feel, I, my God, if I go too long, just pull my coattail. I'll quit any time. I, I had a couple... Steve Kelly, I don't know if, if y'all know who Apostle Elder, uh, Holy Potentate, he's one of the highest men in my regard. Uh, uh, he's, he's one of the best friends of God. He watches over me. I trust him with my soul. I trust him with my church. I tell him to come. Last time he came, I said, Pastor Kelly, I want you to come. And I told the church this. If he looks at any of you and he don't like you and don't like your spirit and he tells me you need to go, you're leaving. I'm running you out of here. I know that's unfamiliar, but you're going to get used to it around here because that's what's going to bring revival. Had a family. They were always causing trouble. I didn't tell him nothing. I didn't tell him anything about anybody. You don't have to because nothing's hid when the word of God goes forth. Nothing's hid. Not even you here tonight that don't like this. You said, oh, I'll just endure until you're gone tomorrow morning. I got news for you, honey. It's over for you. You have lost your hold. You have lost your authority in this church. You can label me a false prophet if you haven't. But honey, you're through. Your days are over. This is God's church. This is a revival church. But oh, oh, Brother Mickey. You may be seated. Oh, Brother Mickey. He, oh, he likes to coon hunt. He likes to. This is the way the cowards are. This is the way the devil works. So the devil's a coward, and everybody that works for him is a coward. He liked to go hunting at night when there wasn't but two or three men. He liked to say little things to men. And, and, and you know, just not where you can pin him down. Just say enough to let him know just enough negative about the preacher. Out hammer his hide. He said, one time he said, if a man wears hairspray, he's a homosexual. So I got in the pulpit in about 20 minutes. I worked him over. Just because you got fuzzy hair and curly hair, when women's apparel, when did hairspray become women's apparel? Are you that ignorant in the Word of God that you don't even know what the Scriptures say? I've worked him over. And, and boy, you know, they're all sheepish and hell, pull in and get the victim mentality. I worked him over. And I worked Sister Cindy over every once in a while because she liked to run her mouth. And she was one of them prim and proper and old Pentecostal women that knew more than the preacher. And I worked her over. And then I'd work her daughter over. And finally, Brother Kelly come and he worked them over. He called her everything. He did everything. Describe them but their name. So I got up and I said, all right. We had a talk at the end of the meeting. I said, now, Brother Kelly, is there anybody 
He said, almost. That, that family that sits right over there in the front, see the risers. He said, almost. But he said, I felt the check. He said, God's going to take care of them. I said, all right. That's all we need to know. And so it wasn't but a couple of weeks later that there was a note slid on my door. That's the way they work. They're cowards. They can't get a hold of you. They can't talk face to face like a man. They're cowards. Oh, they can run down the road talk big time up to the next pastor and tell them all the bad things about the church and all the bad things. They can talk to you the same, but they ain't got guts enough to talk to the man of God. I just like working that spirit over. It's here. I just like working it over. I just have a little fun with it. It's a nasty little infeminate spirit. I like working it over. It's, it's in Mississippi, and I work it over there. I'm going to work it over in Olathe. I'm going to go back and brag. I worked it over. I worked over that nasty spirit in Olathe. I helped the church. I believe God's doing something here. I just want to tell you what God did, because some of you don't like the story. But I like the story. I like the story. They slid a note under my door. We love you, Pastor. We love the church. We love everybody in the church. We don't have no problems. But we feel it best to leave so the church can have revival. Thank God and Greyhound, they're gone. Three years, I watched that family jump from one church to another. Because they didn't have apostolic preachers. And so, they just jump, find something wrong, stir up trouble in that church. Go to another one, stir up trouble in that church. About six months ago, I got a call. It was a trembling voice on the other end of the line said, Pastor Bowling, this is Mickey Foster. I said, how you doing, Mickey? Because he wasn't a brother. How you doing, Mickey? How's Minnie doing? <laughs> don't tell I feel pretty good, don't you? <laughs> he, said, he said, can we talk to you? Sure, sure. I'll meet you at the church tomorrow night, 7.30. My office, you know where it's at? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we sat down, <laughs> and them ladies with tears streaming down their cheeks said, Pastor, everything you said was true. Everything you said has come to pass. They ain't out there. They ain't got it in them churches. Please, Pastor. Can we come back to church here? Now, there's been probably a thousand leave Brookhaven over 22 years. That's the only family in the 22 years that's called. And we sat there and talked, and I just felt good. I said, certainly. It's what God's all about, giving people a second chance. I'm making that devil mad. He thought it was talking about running people out and unmerciful. Now, now they don't like this. They don't like this story either. That's why you don't like the Bible, because it comes down on your heart. And if you're a fornicator, it says you're going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go to hell. But you have an advocate with a father. And they try to soft all this religion down and try to make it fit. You can't do that. I said, certainly you can come back. But I said, you got to do something. 
Whatever you say, Pastor, we'll do whatever it takes. That's repentance. We'll do whatever you say, Pastor. You just say it. I said, you're going to stand in front of the church. And you're going to apologize to the church for the things you've said since you've been gone. You're going to apologize for the way you left. You're going to apologize. And you're going to tell them, Pastor was right. All of that was right. And we want to come back to church. They said, we'll do it. No problem. Prayer. I said, we'll do it prayer. I'm not trying to make you embarrassed. But I said, we got to do this so all can fear. So everybody can understand. You'll just hop out of the church and jump back in when you want to. This is an apostolic church. And we're going to do it apostolic. I'm trying to tell this church it'll work. If you'll let this man pass to you, the storm will be over. It'll work. God is going to do something glorious in this church if you'll let him reprove you and rebuke you. There's power in the rebuke. I, I want to try to I want to try to hasten. I'm about I'm not even halfway through it, but I'm I'm gonna hasten. I'll no, I'm not going to take advantage of you. Uh, the Bible says Jesus rebuked the devil. Some of you ain't been around long enough to see it. You don't, you don't just ask the devil to leave. Please, pretty please, sugar on top, I'll fix you a dozen cookies. You just have to tell him, look, you little slant-eyed idiot. You're not talking to the people. You're talking to the spirit. Look, you little effeminate fallen angel. You couldn't even live for God when there wasn't a devil. That's how pitiful you are. You couldn't even get it straight when there wasn't a tempter. Get out of here. You don't belong in here. You have every right, saint of God, to walk around this building in your prayer and rebuke the devil and tell him, get out of here. You don't belong in this church. This is our church. This is God's church. We want revival. Get out of here. <laughs> devils don't come out unless they're rebuked. That's what the Lord said to tell you. The devils don't come out unless you rebuke them. That's why people leave the church when they get rebuked and they leave. You know what they are? They're a spiritual illegitimate offspring. I call them bastards, Mississippi. We won't do that up here because you won't, you won't be able to take it. Sit down. They're bastards. Woo. Conviction won't fall, folks, upon a sinner or a wayward saint unless they're rebuked. It takes a preacher to preach sin. And if he just says sin, they ain't going to feel rebuked. But the Holy Ghost will move on your man of God. teaching two weeks on spiritual grooming the devil grooms people like a pervert grooms little children so he can do havoc in their life and I got to teaching and I got to feeling I said somebody has got porn on your cell phone and I said you're going to get in this altar and get it right or God's going to reveal it as he always does. One man came straight to me. He knows. He said, Pastor, because I told him, I said, if I catch any of you with porn on your cell phone, you're not allowed to have a cell phone until I tell you you're allowed to have a cell phone. 
That's how mean bowling does it. But mean bowling cares about people's souls and their families. Mean bowling almost lost his own soul because I didn't have anybody around. Not one voice we talked about yesterday. Not one preacher that would stop me and say, you're in the wrong. You're heading the wrong direction. I almost lost my soul. But one young man decided he, he's going to be all right. He'll handle it himself. Driving up here, the Lord spoke to me. And I sent him a text and I said, the Lord's got a word for you. I said, you're fixing to die. You're fixing to lose your life and your marriage. Because you're not doing. You're being groomed by the devil. You're not doing what God is speaking through your man of God to do. And you're fixing to die. You're fixing, you're fixing to lose everything you got. And you'll never recover from it. And he texted me back, we'll make it, Pastor. Brush it off. Well... Be sure your sins will find you out. I don't know why I'm talking about this, but evidently. So his wife, he left his cell phone, forgot it. Went to work. You know, guys that have to sleep with their cell phones in their pockets and under the pillows and tucked away and locked under codes and they won't let their wife look at it have got problems. I don't care who you are. You got problems. If you can't tell your wife your password for everything on the computer, everything you got, and say, here, check it out. And the same thing for you women. I give my password. I'll give my phone to any preacher and say, here, check it out. You can look at everything. You can look at my computers. You can check it all out. I don't have a problem with that. You know why? Because I hate the devil, and I've learned affliction. Affliction cures a lot of things. And while some of you want to just have an easy road, that's why you struggle with porn. That's why you struggle with your flesh. But if you get afflicted every once in a while, and you let God beat on you every little bit, and you let God put some... My God, I, I'm telling you, I believe what I'm preaching to this church. You've got to be afflicted in order to grow in God. You can't dance your way to maturity. You can't shout your way to victory. You've got to get afflicted. In the New Testament, the word is used to express a judgment of what is wrong or contrary to one's will. And hence to admonish or reprove. And when Paul told the preacher, he said rebuke. He was telling him that one may be in error. And needs to have arguments presented to convince him of the truth. The word rendered rebuke implies authority and superiority. And means merely that we may say that a thing is wrong and administer rebuke for it. And there's no doubt it's wrong. Why? Because he's superior. Boy, you feel that? That's that nasty spirit that keeps trying to get in Pentecost. He, this man don't walk around here with his head up like he's better than you. But he's superior to you. He's the head. 
If you men can't accept that, don't you strut around your house like a banny rooster and tell your wife, I'm in charge of this house. If you can't submit yourself to a man of God, you don't deserve a woman to submit herself. Yeah, you women, don't expect your children to do what you tell them to do. If you can't submit yourself to a good godly man, if he wants it a certain way in the house, that's the way it ought to be. If he says, that girl is wearing stuff I don't like. Boy, I hit that again, didn't I? Women, women like to get on the men, but then when you start dealing with little things with our children... But I'm going to tell you women something. If your husband don't like what your daughter's praying around with, and if he thinks she looks a little like a, you know what? A little slut. A little whore. Boy, I've been fired. I feel it. It's over me. I ain't never coming back to Latha. So I might as well just say, if the man says, hey, I don't like the way my little girl looks then mama, you need to back off and say, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. I don't care how much she throws a fit. I don't care how much she says, I don't like it tough. You don't look apostolic. You don't look holy. You ain't going to church looking like that. You ain't going to Walmart looking like that. Man, we need that in our homes. We need rebuking in our homes. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about taking advantage of our dear kids, but I'm talking about our kids need to hear some rebuking. You ain't going to look at me like that. You ever had your dad? My dad looked, used to look at me and say, you don't, boy, you better not look at me that way. I'm, I'm wanting a mirror, you know, so I can change the way I look because I'm not sure how I'm looking. Boy, I'll knock your head off your shoulders if you don't quit looking at me that way. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, okay, change the mouth, change the eyes, do something. Huh? He, he rebuked me and I knew he meant what he said but it made me the better person boy I told you to take the garbage out why did you take the garbage out I, I didn't feel like it I just stayed down in my bedroom read the restaurant all day you know dad I'll just get it later oh yeah one time you do that and you got afflicted Huh? I'll beat you so hard, boy, you won't be able to sit down for a week. Oh, yeah. He broke a leather belt in two on me in the bottom basement of the church one night because I'd done something I shouldn't have done, and I evermore got a whipping, and, and I'm glad his pants fit. <laughs> sit down. And, 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 and so he afflicted me, but it made me, it made me have a yes, sir, and a no, ma'am attitude. I've, been having, I've had to apologize to my mother. I've had to tell her, look, I'm sorry. I've been wrong. I've had to, I've taken whipping upon whipping. I've been afflicted, but it made me what I am. That's what the Bible says. The rod of correction I drive the foolishness out of that child. Some of you need to learn how to afflict your children a little bit. Well, we give them time out. Time out ain't going to do nothing. Afflict them. I'm sorry. I ain't sorry for what I'm saying. I'm just sorry some of you ain't enjoying it. I really am. I'm going to close. But I, I, I got a couple more things to say before I do. The property of the rebuke rests on our authority for doing it. Not on arguments that we can present. 
but it's authority that says this is the way it's got to be. Pastor don't need somebody explaining why you did the dumb thing you did. All he needs to hear is because he's, he believes he's preaching to you what God gave him. And I'm going to tell you something. Let me just, I'm going to try to help your people. Just when he gets out from behind this pulpit and the anointing is kind of settled, he becomes a man. I feel things in this pulpit. I'm saying things that when I get through tonight and I get back to the room, I'm going to think, man, I hope that tape don't get out. Well, praise the Lord. But, but when, when God is moving on you and he's telling you, I want you to talk about this. I want you to talk about it. That's what I'm doing with authority. Your pastor does the same thing week in and week out. He don't need somebody coming up to him after he's preached and he's drained. And saying, Pastor, I just want you to know the reason I did this. Because if you're not careful, you'll negotiate something less than what the pulpit and God wanted you to have. If the man says it while he's preaching, take that what he says, no matter what he says when he gets through. Take what he says in the pulpit. It's the word of God. No, sir, pastor. That's what you said. That's what we're going to do. I've got men to come to me. And I've said, oh, man. I, I, oh, oh, no, pastor. If that's, a, that's what you said when you preach, that's the way it's going to be at my house. And they go do it, and God moves, and God blesses. I wish and I hope that you understand the spirit of which I'm coming to this church. I'm just trying to help this church. You're going to have revival. You're going to have something happen in this church that is going to astound you. But God is wanting you to get past a few little hurdles that's been holding you back and holding you hostage. Listen to your man of God when he preaches to you, and whatever he says... It may sound strange to you servants, but whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Because we need some wine. We're out of wine. We're out of revival. We need revival. Whatever my pastor tells me to do, bless God, that's what I'm going to do. The problem is that when we do wrong... Nobody has to convince us that we've done wrong because we know we have. And he's simply coming to rebuke and to expose and let you know and confirm that was wrong. You don't need to do it. And if he preaches it, you don't need to do it and you never need to pick it back up. process that God uses to afflict us is to use a preacher and in his hand is a sharp quick and powerful two edged sword and he whacks and he cuts you ever been cut by the word huh folks I don't have time to preach all this read it in the book they were cut to the heart. They were pricked in their heart. They were afflicted. Read it. They were afflicted. And they said, what 
shall we do? Oh, that hurt. Your afflictions define who you are. Jacob said, I ain't letting you go until you bless me. Now, he could have just blessed him, but he didn't. He smote him. Oh, but he held on. He said, you got to do better than that. You can get the other one, too, if you want to. And I'm, I'll walk the rest of my life with an affliction. But it'll be a reminder of what it takes to get God to do something for me. Affliction. My God, I wish I had time. I just feel like saying some things and, and telling some things. I don't know. I don't know you, but I feel like telling you. I had a boy, my baby boy, at 18 years of age, a week before he turned 18, he decided, I'm leaving the church. You know who was talking to him? You know who came down the road and picked him up down at the bottom of my property? Ex-saints. My own flesh and blood. You need to get out of that house. Come live with us, Randon. We love you. When he took off walking and they were picking him up, I run. They come pull down into my property. I jumped off of that porch and I run as fast. If I could have got to that car, I'd have pulled them boys out of that car and I'd have whooped their behinds. Buddy, when they saw that preacher with fire in his eyes jump off that porch, they down the highway they went. I pointed my fist and I said, you, you're not going to get them without a fight. You're not going to take over the church or my family without a fight. Some of you are looking at me like, boy, you're some, you're some mean. No, no, no. I just hate the devil. And I've, I've come to learn. I've been afflicted enough to know I've got a limp. And I know what it takes to see somebody that leaves a church come back. He left the house while I was out, gone to Florida preaching. They called me. Randon's gone. Don't know where he is. And it's a rule in my church. Somebody leaves the church, they're excommunicated. You know, since we're in a cult, we might as well use a cult language. They're excommunicated. You don't talk to them. You don't fellowship them. If they don't want to stay in the church, what do you got to say to them anyhow? I don't care if they are a family member. So my son left. He was done. Son, I said, before he left, I said, I love you. I'll do anything uh, to save you. But I said, you leave here, and I don't want nothing else to do with you until you call me and say, Dad, I'm ready to live for God. But I said, otherwise, you won't be around this house. You won't come in here anytime you want to because you got to get out there like the prodigal son and learn your lesson. You got to get out there and get afflicted. You got to lose everything. You got to get down to the hog pit. That's why he tells stories like that, folks. Get down to the bottom to where you look up and say, Man, the servants at daddy's house has got it better than what I've got it. People would call periodically. Had a lady call that was connected to one of the she devils that left the church. She said, y'all supposed to be 
people of love and mercy. Do you know your boy don't even have a place to stay? He's, you're living up there in that big old house, and he's staying in his truck with all his clothes. My wife said, our boy can be living in this house if he wants to, but he's got to do it the way we want him to do it, or he's going to have to sleep in his truck. Well, I got him sleeping on my couch, and he kind of likes my young girl, and, and they're just friends, and nothing's going on. And they called me a little while later and said, that boy of yours got my girl pregnant, and what are we going to do? I said, I don't know what you're going to do about it. It ain't my problem. If he'd have been in my house living right, he wouldn't have got your girl pregnant. And if your girl didn't have 34 previous partners started when she was 14 on birth control by her mama, my boy wouldn't be in the condition. I told my son, he called, what I do? I said, son, you can come back to the house and live for God. You ain't got to marry her. You got to take care of that child. That's your responsibility. But God can help you. You can salvage your life. You ain't got to throw it out. Boy, it's quiet, but it's right. He called me. He said, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble with a drug dealer. Old money to a drug dealer. I said, I, that ain't my problem. You living in the house, you wouldn't have them kind of problems. Boy, you're cold. No, I ain't cold. I just know people have got to be saved through affliction. And you can't pamper and pet them all the way through and, and expect them to become something. That's what's wrong with this younger generation. It's they're pampered and they're petted. And they ain't made to do what they used to have to do. They're driving new sports cars, and they got debit cards, and they got money, and they don't have to go to work, and they don't have no responsibility, and no wonder we're raising a generation. But they need somebody to be afflicted every once in a while. There's a woman in here who don't like this. So let me just, let me just hasten on. So... Long story short, Randon, my baby boy, went through all kinds of problems. How low can a person go? Preacher's son. Tongue ring, earrings, drugs, alcohol. Baby out of wedlock. Preacher's son. Attended the same prayer meetings that my other two kids attended. Heard the same messages mother two kids heard. People in my family said, son, you ain't right. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing exactly what you taught me and raised me. Oh, no. He said, you're a monster. I didn't raise you to be a monster. I said, I ain't no monster. I'm doing what the Bible says. Don't have fellowship with a fornicator. Don't fellowship. Don't eat with them. That's what, the box, that's what the book says. Have no part with them. Have no contact with them. Well, bro. I had family members offering my son places to stay. This is what he said. He said, he told mom, he said, mom, why would I go live there and go to church there? He said, they go out and get drunk on the weekend. 
And then they're back on the platform playing the drums. They're fornicating. They're watching movies. They're doing all that. And they're back in the choir. He said, I'm, they're doing everything I'm doing. Why do I want to go to church like that? I had pastor, doctor. Saw him one day and said, hey, son. This is what he said. He said, son, you can come to our church. He said, we know how to love people at our church. But affliction has a way of teaching people things. And my son said, if I ever go anywhere, sir, it'd be back to my dad's church. Because it's right. Oh, God. That little girl that he married... She's made a beautiful Pentecostal. She's one of the most beautiful Pentecostal girls you'd ever meet. Didn't know nothing about the church. That boy of mine plays him drums. He runs the aisles. The other day he told mom, he said, I've been having that young man on my heart that's got the porn problem. And I just want to call him and tell him, you need to change. Don't head down that path. What made him so sensitive? Affliction. Pain. Those other kids that are allowed to do what they want to do, been married a couple of times, got kids out of the church. None of them lived for God, Brother Rick, and none of them. I'm a monster because I take that word and say, this is the way we're going to do it. And I preach it with authority, and I back up what I say. Do you understand there's people that won't leave our church because they're scared to death? Because I told them, you leave. I decide whether you come back or not. He said, do it before all. Y'all feel my spirit. I'm not some crude guy. Rebuke before all. That all may fear. I sat up all night talking to a young couple. I was out deer hunting. And I got my truck stuck right there where I sign out. God works in peculiar ways. And I just, I just felt something say, call Jake. Hey, Jake, what you doing? Pastor needs you to, you can come. Jake would later tell me I was on my way to meet a girl. We were going to do things we shouldn't do. They went ahead and done it and we of course it come out and so we sat from nine o'clock at night to the sun's coming up the next morning begging them don't do this please don't do this you don't know what you're doing 
oh, we love each other. I said, all right, you got three choices. One, you can just leave the church. Don't ever come back. Two, you can leave the church for 30 days. And go get married. Get your house. Get everything in order. And then come back to church. Three, you can just break up. You get through with nursing school. And we'll have a church wedding. Even though you made a mistake, we'll have it. So they chose option number two. 30 days, Brother Regan. At night, I would toss and turn. God, help those kids make it. Please, God, just help them. Don't let them be lost. Six weeks. They come walking back in on Sunday morning. Johnny Burgess was preaching, I think, that morning. Jake comes staggering down the aisle, afflicted. I don't have time to tell you all the things that happened in six weeks, but so many things. But he comes staggering down, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, just fall in the altar, begging God to forgive him. They're a beautiful family, got a beautiful baby. I preach like I'm preaching tonight. Jake's right there. If I get on them young people, he's right there. You better listen. You better listen. Why? I bear in my body the marks. He walks with a limp. Things won't be normal for him or Kristen. She's got a mother that constantly, somebody come to music. He got a, she's got a mother that hates me. A few weeks ago, she said, Pastor, I can't take it. She sent her mom a text. said, Mom, we won't be talking anymore. You hate my pastor. Another girl raised to do things that a young lady shouldn't be doing. I got a call one day before for all this happened. I was off preaching. I was at Noah, wasn't it? I was in New York City. We just, we just landed in New York City on a vacation with my wife and daughter. And I got a call. Kristen's been arrested. She's in jail. Her and her mom got in a fight. And they're in jail. That's the kind of, that's the kind of atmosphere she's raised in. But today, he's a nurse. He got a beautiful home, beautiful baby. But there's affliction. There's, there's marks. Any of you got them? Marks. Bad choices. Horrible things has happened. I got them. Above and beyond measure, I got them. Affliction. But I, that's why I'm where I'm at today. Let's stand. That's why people have problems living for God. You know, the problem with our younger generation is, is the fact that they've really, they've really never had any affliction. They've never had really any problems. They've never stood against the devil. They've never fought 
anything through. They've never worked out salvation with fear and trembling. Mama's always done things for them. Daddy's always done things for them. And we're raising a young generation that knows nothing about affliction. I want to present to you just a little different way to look at your affliction. It's a hard way. You remember what I said this morning? It's a difficult way. It's a narrow gate. David said, how difficult is it? He said, it's a broken and contrite spirit. I'm concerned the other night when we preached in altar service, I was concerned that some couldn't be broken. And the reason you can't be broken is because there's not enough affliction. The Bible says he was acquainted with sorrow, grief, stricken. Tender, tender. Something's got to happen to us that we get the tenderness back. Broken and contrite spirit. I'm sorry this has ended just kind of the way it's ended, but you got to hear this. Do not resist the affliction. not resist the rebuke. Accept it. Accept it. Oh God. I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord. I want you to move in this house. I believe you've spoken some things tonight that people need to get a hold of. And I pray that they don't pass this message by because there's a sober feeling in this house. But if they could realize that you want to afflict them, not because you don't love them, but you chastise those whom you love. And that spirit that's trying to come into this church and and trying to make out that Pastor Riggins too mean and those kind of things ought not to be in an apostolic preacher. I pray, God, that the good folks of this church can get the revelation that it works. That there are people that will pray back through if we'll just allow the affliction to come. Your, your scripture backs this. I haven't had time God to, you're just going to have to talk to them. Delivering them to the devil so they can be saved. When Job didn't want to do right, God when, when Jonah refused to go preach you brought trouble and he even said it was from the belly of hell that he cried. God, that caused him to go do what you wanted him to do. I pray for this church.
that they would not resist your hand that tries to bring affliction. And that they would understand that through affliction, a result of affliction, they're going to be saved. Would you lift your hands? Would you tell the Lord, be unto me according to your word. Some of you young people, God really wants you to become something for him. But you're going to have to understand there's a price to pay. There's only a certain amount of victories, church, that we can have without affliction. Jesus said in response to the question, why couldn't we cast this devil out? He said, because some come out not but by prayer and by fasting. You got to have some affliction. You got to have some trouble, some difficult times, some things that go against your flesh. There's a lot of things that Paul had to say about affliction. He said, I die daily. Trouble on every side. He, he, he talks a lot about always bearing about, he said, in the body of the dying. It's a life of affliction, a life of pain. He said, I'm suffering affliction like a wrongdoer, like an evil person. Samson had difficult times his entire life. Never could get it right. Always messing around with the world. Till God said, I know what to save him. I really don't want to have to do it, but it means his soul. And so, with eyes gouged out, afflicted, See, you're going to be separated. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be separated. Either from the good folk or the bad folk. But grinding around that meal, no family there. Nobody to say, Samson, I love you, son. I don't know. i got to believe that he's, he, couldn't, he couldn't grind very easy. He, he could only have that strength when the Spirit was on him. I'm sure there was days that there was sores on his feet and there was weariness in his body and they whipped him come on he's afflicted and might be the first time in his life he looked up and said God can you save me God is it too late or can you do something for me Samson, come here. We'll have a little fun with you. That young man led him out and the jeers and he said, just son, take me to the pillars and hold this place up. Afflicted Samson said, God, if you could just do it one more time for me. Let me die with the enemy. Somebody here, there's hope for you. There's hope for your family. 
if you'll allow some affliction to come. I'm telling you, I'm through. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead with you. If the Holy Ghost is talking to you, you have an advocate with the Father. Anybody want to come boldly to the throne of God? Say, Lord, I may have messed up a little bit, but I'm going to check it and I'm going to correct it from this point forward because I want you to work in me. Whatever you got to do, God, whatever you got to do, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to afflict, I'm going to cause some affliction, but God, I want you to bring some affliction. I'm not going to run from it. I'm willing, God, if it means my family, if it means my friends, backsliders, sinners, whatever it means, some of you, God's going to use you. Some of you preachers, God wants to use you in great ways. Don't run from the affliction. Submit yourself and say, God, here it is. Here's, here, here's my life. I lay it on this altar. Come on. I want to hear you praying. Affliction. Salvation. Through affliction. Help us, Jesus. I want this word not to turn and fall on the ground that's not right and not ready. But I want it to fall on good ground where it can gain root and it can bring forth fruit as you desire for it to come. We're not going to run. We're not going to resist the affliction, God. Let it come. Many are the affliction of the righteous. Oh, God. Oh, God. You've talked to some folks tonight about specific things. I pray that you'd help them have the courage and the strength to rise up and do what you're telling them to do. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed are they that mourn. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, young people. Some of you may never have really been afflicted and allowed God to really touch you and work in your life. Tell him, God, whatever you got to do to me, save me. Whatever you got to do to use me, God, do it to me. I want to be saved. I want to be used by your glory. I want to be used for your glory, oh God. The blind man was born so that the works of God might be made manifest. He was born blind, afflicted from his birth. Oh, God wants to give us some glory in some lives. He wants to work through some people. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voice. Just like you do in pre-service prayer, lift up your voice. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to Him. Oh, God, I thank you for the trials. I thank you for the test. Oh, add the fire. Purge us. Cleanse us. Beat us down when there's a lump, God. Take the lump out. Mold us and fashion us again. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.